Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. I want to show you a picture of my, uh, our uh, second grandson, Rain. Rain is seven months old. He lives in England with his parents, Elise and Will. Uh, and they were here this summer. Some of you may remember, actually, they, they, had, they led worship at Gateway North. Anyway, when they were here, we discovered Rain has a very interesting habit. He could be screaming, but as soon as he hears the, the worship song, Honey in the Rock, he goes totally silent. I'm not kidding. It's amazing. He'll be wailing away. His parents will put Honey in the Rock on, and boom, he stops instantly. Now, the first time I heard this song, Honey in the Rock, I thought, and I realized it was a worship song, I thought, what a goofy song. <laughs> Honey in the Rock? That's not biblical. And who would write a worship song like that? And what the heck does it even mean? Well, I couldn't have been more wrong. Honey in the Rock is a profound song of faith and truth. It's a prophetic song. It's a prophetic song for us this morning, gateway in the season that we're living in. And it's biblical. Yes, honey in the rock is found two places in the scriptures, Deuteronomy 32, Moses' song, and Psalm 81. And I want you to turn to Psalm 81 this morning. Now, we're going to look at this psalm this morning because I believe it's a prophetic word to gateway for this season we're living in. And then Mary and the worship team are going to get back up and they're going to teach us the song, Honey in the Rock. And it's on your notes there. It's on the back page so you can take it home. And here's what I'm hoping you're going to do. I'm hoping that we are going to sing this song for months and months and months until we see the supernatural provision of God in ways we've never seen it before. Are you ready to do that? Okay. Psalm 81. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a sound. A song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on the feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph. We went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you from the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Selah. Selah means pause. And we're going to pause for a few minutes and talk about the first seven verses. This psalm is about Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. Now, you may be familiar with the story. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years when they began to cry out to God, and at the right time, God sent Moses to deliver his people out of the bondage of Egypt. They had 10 plagues. 
There were all kinds of signs, wonders, and miracles. Finally, Pharaoh agreed to let the Israelite people go, and Moses went out with between one and two million Israelites. But because of their slave mentality and their fear and the unbelief, they refused to go into the land that God had promised them, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so God sent them into the wilderness for 40 years until that old unbelieving generation all died off and a new generation was raised up that would believe God and go into the promised land. Now, the wilderness was not just about getting rid of an old unbelieving generation. God could have done that in a lot less time than 40 years. The purpose of the wilderness was about preparing a new generation to believe God, to trust God, to obey God, because they witnessed his goodness, his faithfulness, his power, and his miracles every day for 40 years. So how do we know Psalm 81 is about the wilderness? Well, verse 7 says this, I answered you in the secret place of thunder. That's a reference to Mount Sinai in the wilderness where God came down on the mountain, Exodus 19 says, in smoke and thunder and fire. And then it says, I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Meribah means quarrel. It's another reference to the, to, to the wilderness. And you'll remember, Israel quarreled with God when they had no water, and God spoke to Moses, and Moses struck the rock, and water flowed out of a rock enough to satisfy the thirst of one to two million people. But it's verse 3 that really lets us know this is talking about the wilderness. Verse 3 says this, Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. Now, when I read that, I thought, what the heck does that mean? But Leviticus 23 tells us that on the first day of the seventh month, which was the new moon, they, the Israelites were to blow a trumpet for a holy convocation. And the Jewish people still do that today. It's called Rosh Hashanah. And then Leviticus 23 tells us, 10 days later on the 10th day, celebrate the Day of Atonement. That's the most important celebration in the Jewish calendar. And the Jewish people still celebrate that today. It's called Yom Kippur. And then five days after that, on the 15th day, Leviticus 23 tells us, at the full moon, they were to blow the trumpet again and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, which is commemorating Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. And the Jewish people still commemorate that today. Do you know what it's called? Sukkot. And do you know what day the Feast of Tabernacles begins on this year? October the 9th. The same day I'm speaking to you prophetically about Gateway being in the wilderness. I had no idea when I was studying this two weeks ago. I looked and I went, oh, Dear God, this is a confirmation that you are speaking prophetically to us as a people about this. 
That date changes every year, but on 2022, it just happened to be the same day we're talking about the wilderness. God has a prophetic word for us, Gateway. Well, Psalm 81 was to be sung at the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, and they, for seven days, they built these temporary shelters reminding them of the wilderness. It was a yearly reminder to Israel on their, of their 40 years in the wilderness. Every year, it reminded the people of who God is and what he had done and how he had provided miraculously for 40 years. Verse 4 and 5 tells us that God made this yearly feast a statute, a rule, a decree to succeeding generations so that they would not only know their history, they would know their God. You know, that's why we have annual celebrations and festivals. It's to rehearse and remind us of who God is and what he's done. That's what today is about. Tomorrow is about Thanksgiving. It's to remind us what Good Friday is about, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is about, Christmas is about, Pentecost is about. It's so we would remind the future generations of who God is and what he's done and the promises he's given his people. Today at Thanksgiving, we will all get together at our house and have a few guests. And at some point after the meal, we will give out uh, paper and pens which our family absolutely loves. And we will spend a few minutes remembering, rehearsing our gratitude for God in the past year. You know, we have almost 20 years. We have a little box. We have 20 years of people's remembrances. It's a beautiful celebration. Why? To rehearse, remind ourselves who he is and what he's done. The wilderness the Bible is speaking about is not like our wilderness here in Manitoba. If you've been on the Manitoba, Manterio Trail, that's a wilderness. That's what we call wilderness. No, the Manterio Trail, beautiful boreal forests with streams and rivers and lakes and fish and animals and critters. You could survive out there if you were on alone or something like that. But the the wilderness, the desert speaking, or the uh, Bible speaking about the Israelites is a desert, unable to support human life. Israel would have died in the wilderness without God's miraculous intervention. The wilderness is not just for Israel back then. The wilderness is for us today. We see it throughout the Bible. Moses had a wilderness for 40 years. King David had a wilderness for at least 10 years while Saul was ch chasing him. John the Baptist called people into the wilderness to baptize them into a new life of repentance. Paul had a wilderness for three years in Arabia. And Jesus himself had a wilderness for 40 days where he faced every human temptation from the devil. And he defeated every one of them, defeated the devil with the word of God. And you will have a wilderness. Wilderness is synonymous with hardship, isolation, difficulty, suffering. 
It's an uncomfortable place, a lonely place, a place of testing and temptations. But God's wilderness always has a purpose. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, the wilderness always has a purpose. Firstly, the wilderness is a gift. It reveals our need of God. It shows us we can't do life without God because the wilderness is impossible to survive in without God. The world is a wilderness. You cannot survive in the wilderness without God, without his supernatural revelation, without being born again, without finding the life of the Spirit. We need God and his miraculous provision. How could one to two million people survive in an absolute wasteland that would not sustain any life for 40 years? Because God was their shade by day. He was their fire and warmth by night. He was the water in the rock. He was the manna on the ground. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. The wilderness revealed how much they needed God and how God provided miraculously every single day of those 40 years. Some of you have experienced a wilderness in your life. You saw you needed Jesus. Jesus broke into your life and changed everything. Some of your marriages, you've experienced a wilderness, and maybe you're experiencing a wilderness right now. It's God's gift showing us how much we need him. I think Asaph, knew, Asaph the, the author of this psalm, knew the wilderness was a gift Because in verse 1 and 2, he says, Sing aloud to God, shout for joy to God, raise a song, sound the tambourine. The wilderness is a gift. It reveals how much we need God. Are we living in that time right now, Gateway? Are we living there? We absolutely are. We need his miraculous provision. We will not survive what we're going through without his miraculous provision. Secondly, the wilderness is a test. It exposes the heart and reveals faith or the lack of faith. It tries our attitudes and our actions. It's testing whether we have gold, silver, or precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Verses 8 to 12 Tell us the wilderness tested Israel. They grumbled and complained. The Bible says they put God to the test ten times. Leaving Egypt, going into the promised land, water twice, bread, hunger, desert, Sabbath. They tested God picking up food on the Sabbath. They tested God not picking up food on the Sabbath. They were negative and critical. They said, you brought us out here to kill us. They blamed and accused. Moses' own brother and sister blamed him. And then they rebelled. Korah and 250 of the well-known men, it says, rose up and said, you've gone too far, Moses. We're all holy. Why do you exalt yourself above us? Who made you leader? 
And then they worshipped idols and went back to, or wanted to go back to Egypt. I've told this story before, but I think it bears repeating in the context of the wilderness. I call it our holiday from hell. Several years ago, when, when our four daughters were all young, baby to, to 10 years old, we decided to go to Minneapolis for a holiday. And driving down in the car, I was silent, morose, glum, grumpy, <laughs> negative, all wrapped up in myself, which makes a very small package. And I was, the thing that was eating away at me, I was, I was thinking about another church in the city that was prospering way more than Gateway was. And I felt bad. And then I felt bad that I felt bad that I was feeling bad. And I just got in this cycle. And so there I am driving down on the holiday with our family. And there's a big black cloud. Finally, Mary says to me, Ron, what's wrong? I grunted nothing. And nothing went right for four days. The first thing that happened was we stopped at a mall and I backed into the parking space and had a shiny gold brand new Toyota sedan and put a big dent in that shiny new gold bumper. Things went from bad to worse. Mary and I were at odds. The baby wasn't sleeping. I was driving around the parking lot of the hotel at 3.30 in the morning trying to calm the baby. And the security was driving behind me wondering, what's that guy driving around in our parking lot doing? I was in the wilderness. God was testing me, squeezing, revealing what was in my heart, my attitudes, my attitudes and my actions were being exposed. Well, things went from worse to terrible. One of our girls got sick. We had to take her to the hospital. Mary took her into the hospital. And while Mary was in the hospital, I drove the girl. Remember, Mary and I are at odds. I drove the girls around, and I ended up driving through a stop sign just as a motorcycle was making a left-hand turn. I slammed on the brakes. He went down. He slid right up to our bumper. Before I knew it, there were lights, police, a crowd, and I was in a daze. I thought, what is happening? But I was in the wilderness. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. The motorcycle guy was so gracious. Everybody left happy except me. And we got to the hospital. Mary gets in the car. The first thing the girl said, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy hit a motorcycle. <laughs> now, Mary's put up with four days of misery. She's fed up. She turns to me and she says, you what? All I could say was, I, I didn't hit him. He came right up to the bumper. <laughs> the wilderness. The final straw came. We got back to the hotel. I was helping the girls out of the van. I tripped and fell out of the van and the whole family laughed at me. I'm in the wilderness, and they're laughing at me. I said, I want to go back to Egypt. That's it. I went back to the hotel room, laid on the bed, feeling sorry for myself. Mary came up to me. She had a little book called Calvary Road, an excellent little book, all about the cross, 
selfishness. She threw the book at me, said, I'm taking the girls swimming. Read this. Well, I did read it. And every page, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. Every page was exposing things and revealing how much Christ had died on the cross for me. He did such a powerful work of humility and repentance and the fear of the Lord. And when Mary and the girls came back, I fell on my knees. I confessed my sin and my selfishness and my, my, my bad attitudes and everything I could imagine. And, of course, they graciously forgave me for the four days of hell I put them through. And then we had six days of heaven. But listen to this. God's tests are always to strengthen our faith. And mature us like steel being forged in the fire and on the anvil. That's why James 1, verse 2 to 8 says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience or perseverance. Let the perseverance have its work that you may be made perfect and entire, wanting nothing, mature. That's the purpose of the test in the wilderness. It exposes what's there, but it doesn't leave us there. It's to strengthen us and make us more like Christ. You know, so many people fail the wilderness test. They get discouraged. They give in to temptation. They quit. They get offended. They walk away from God, and they lose everything God had for them. And lastly... Verse 13 to 16 tell us the wilderness is a preparation. It's a preparation for a breakthrough. Moses had a preparation before he broke through and led Israel out of Egypt. David had a preparation before he became king. Jesus had a preparation before he went into his ministry with signs and wonders and preaching the gospel with power. And Paul had a preparation before his apostolic commission to plant churches and preach the gospel. How is the wilderness a preparation before a breakthrough? Verse 13 to 16 tell us, listen to this. Oh, this is God speaking. Oh, that my people would listen to me and walk in my ways. Three times in this song, You see God's heart, his entreaty. Oh, if my people would only listen to me and walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. God is appealing to his people. Oh, if you would just listen to me, if you would just walk in my ways, I'm with you. I'm in your midst. When my people put their trust in me and depend on me and hear and obey me, I'll defeat their enemies, fight their battle, feed them with the finest of wheat and satisfy them with honey from the rock. You see, Israel 
was not alone in the wilderness. And neither are you. And neither are we. There was a rock in the wilderness. And that rock was Christ himself. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 4. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. I think that's amazing. 40 years, testing, trials, trouble, hardship, barrenness. There's Christ right in the midst of his people, providing miraculously out of the impossible, doing the impossible. There's a spiritual rock following Israel, Christ himself, all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-loving, providing, protecting, preparing the people before their breakthrough into the promised land. And there's honey in the rock. What does that mean? I think it means a number of things, but I think this is for certain one of the things it means. Christ brings sweetness in the trials. He brings treasure in the hardship. He brings beauty in the barrenness, satisfaction out of emptiness. The wilderness is preparation for growing trust in God, strengthening dependence on God, increasing confidence in God's faithfulness to provide and sustain. And this prepares us gateway for the breakthrough, which is coming. It is coming. I am certain it is coming. God wants to take us to a new level of believing him. So here's the application. We are in a wilderness time. In case you didn't notice. Randy, in case you didn't notice, we are in a wilderness time. Hardship, trouble, difficulty, lonely, uncomfortable, this is a wilderness. We were doing this 43 years ago, weren't we, Peter and Everell? Carding everything in, carding everything out. And now for the last 38 years, we've had such a nice way of doing things. Now we're back in the wilderness. But God is preparing us. This is a gift that we see our need of him in greater ways. This is a test at squeezing things out so he can mature us and th that he can bring forth gold and its preparation for the breakthrough that is going to come. <laughs> and in the wilderness, we can find honey in the rock, the sweetness of Christ in all our challenges and the treasures of Christ in our hardship. So I want to invite Mary and the team to come back up. I believe Jesus wants us to praise our way through this wilderness time. We have it in the King's School. We have it here, especially in Gateway North. We're like squatters. And when the winter comes, bringing those chairs in and out of this room, we are going to be tested. Will we grumble? Will we complain? 
the king's school. They carry things around in bags. They're in four different locations. It's terribly hard on the teachers as well as the students. They're all in one room, some of them with all just curtains, black curtains between them and all the sound that goes on. We're in the wilderness. But there's a rock in the wilderness with us. And there is honey in the rock. So, Mary, let's learn this song and let's sing our way through this wilderness time, whether it's a few months or six months or however long it is, and let's praise him through it and see his miraculous provision. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, and on the ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you got, there's honey in the rock. Praying for a miracle, thirsting for the living well. Only you can satisfy Sweetness at the mercy seat Now I'm tasting It's not hard to see Only you can satisfy There's honey in my rock There's honey in the rock There's honey in the rock Freedom, where the spirit is, bounty in the wilderness, you will always satisfy. Sunny in the rock, water in the stone, and on the ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.